0: So with that, we are going to try to finish our series on the Holy Spirit this morning. Uh, If you were not here for the last two weeks and you want to catch up, I want to encourage you guys to check out. We do have a podcast. Uh, You can search that under Restoration Church Chicago, or you can also go on our website. If you do go on our website, just know that it will take a a few seconds for it to upload for you to listen. Uh, Just a very brief review on the last two weeks. Uh, The first week, we looked at the various scriptures in um, in various verses in the Bible on the Holy Spirit and um, talked about Holy Spirit as someone who is alive and active. Uh, back then, in the beginning of time, alive and active right now, and alive and active throughout eternity. Uh, second week, we talked about our need for the Holy Spirit. Uh, not only do we need the Holy Spirit, but also we talked about our willingness to obey the Holy Spirit in order for us to become the excellent image of who Jesus have planned and designed for us to be. Uh, And also because obeying the Holy Spirit is obeying Jesus. So if we say that we will obey Jesus but we don't obey the Holy Spirit we kind of contradict ourselves. So if we want to obey Jesus we have to obey the Holy Spirit. And if we obey the Holy Spirit that means we obey Jesus. And we can see that in John 16. So this week I will very briefly I want to make sure I emphasize very briefly uh, talked about the nine gifts Of the holy spirit from first corinthians chapter 12. realistically each of these gifts could take up two or three sundays to talk about but i'm going to try to compress them together and i want to encourage each and every one of you guys to go home spend some time looking up studying each of these gifts and what do they mean and how can we apply them into our everyday lives but uh, before we get into the nine gifts of the holy spirit i want to share a quote I read this week that was very challenging to me. Uh, It is from Diedrich Bonhoeffer. Some of you may or may not know him. Uh, But anyway, uh, the quote that he said was, Your life as a Christian should make non-believers question their their disbelief in God. Let me say that again. Your life as a Christian should make non-believers question their disbelief in God. Because without the Holy Spirit, we will never be able to make non-believers question their disbelief in God. Without the Holy Spirit, we are just like everyone else in terms of our convictions. We're just like everyone else in terms of our perseverance. We're just like everyone else in terms of our wisdom and our discernment without the Holy Spirit. Therefore, with the Holy Spirit, we will be able to live as people who will make non-believers question their disbelief in God. Uh, look up Diedrich Bonhoeffer if you don't know who he is. He uh, is it's a very good person to, to learn, to know, and to look up look up to in terms of how to be a witness for Jesus Christ, regardless of our surroundings. Um, in order for this statement to be true, um, our life should make non-believers question their disbelief in God. In order for this statement to be true, we we must acknowledge the Holy Spirit. We must acknowledge our need for him and the desire, desiring the different gifting that we have from the Holy Spirit. And to live a life that will make non-believers question their disbelief in God. Isn't that amazing? Our lives should make non-believers question their disbelief in God. That's a very, very challenging question, uh, statement, at least for me, and I hope it is for all of us also. So anyway, let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, starting with verse one. Now, about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. So, number one, I do want to emphasize that we are meant to be informed. Right? Paul said, "Well, God said He does not want us to be uninformed." So that means we need to be informed of the gifts of the Spirit. All of us, not just the leaders not the church leaders, not just those who know Jesus for a long time or not just older people or not just those who live in third world countries where they're desperate for God. All of us, all of us must be informed of the gift of the Spirit. And and keep in mind, uh, and, and please know that I'm going through this really quickly, so if you have any questions, please feel free to come up and talk to me afterward. But keep in mind the two purposes for the gift of the Spirit. Number one is to strengthen and mature the church for its mission to reach the ends of the earth with the gospel of Jesus Christ, to strengthen and to mature the church. It is not so that it will make us look good. It's not so that everyone will come to us and ask us questions and trying to hear what we have to say. It is to strengthen and mature the church for what? For its mission to reach the ends of the earth for the gospel of Jesus Christ. So for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And number two is we're able to witness effectively. We need the gift of the Holy Spirit to witness effectively for Jesus in all the nations. Because it is more than just us talking about Jesus. We need to demonstrate his life to all the nations also and to all people. And, and that's why we need the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We need the leading of the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to lead us, to guide us, to speak to us, and, and give us strength and wisdom and all the gifting that we have. So, so with these nine gifts, I'm, uh, as I said, I'm going to make it really briefly. So I'm going to combine them because actually not I'm going to combine them. I know they are uh, written in the way that it's combined into, uh, separate into three different categories. The first category is the uh, inspirations or the fellowship gifting. I seen the power to say. Uh, That would be the gift of different kinds of tongues, uh, the gift of the uh, interpretations, and the gift of prophecy. So let's go through this quickly. And just to remind you, the power to say, the inspiration or the fellowship gifts, these gifts are not the kinds that change the world around us. These are called fellowship because they are for the benefits of the church. That is for our benefit. So um, let's, let's go through them quickly. It's tongues, number one. There's Acts um, chapter 2, verse 4. I think we all know this. But I want to emphasize that all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them as the Holy Spirit enable them to speak in different languages, different tongues. So it essentially, is a, it's a language that comes from the Holy Spirit that resides within us. The best way to describe the different kinds of tongues would be a spiritual language between an individual and God. Um, an illustration is, uh, if, for those of you guys, maybe it's just for me, sometimes there are certain things that you want to say, but you can't get it out, right? It's like, oh, there's something here. I, want to ex- I don't know how to explain it. So it's, it's similar to that so that the Spirit will speak out and bypass our minds. So the things that we say may be just gibberish to other people, but through the Holy Spirit, it will make sense because we're speaking to God. Um, Our spirit, so our our mind knows what it's trying to say, but our mouth is not forming the correct sound, so to speak. Uh, So so the the different types of of tongues is, is also when we allow the Holy Spirit who resides within us to bypass our minds so that we're not able to form the correct, appropriate word to cry out to God or to praise him or to speak to God. So this is, if I can use, explain this in a way, in a way, it's easier for, I think it's easier for bilingual people to understand because Vietnamese is my first language. Uh, in, in time of stress, sometimes I catch myself reverting back to my um, first language so to speak so this is the same as our spiritual language that is dormant that has been dormant since the beginning of time so as we're filled with the holy spirit our spirit will activate this original language that we had with god back to the days of adam and eve and when we communicate with god not the one that our minds have learned and learned how to articulate learn how to speak but just naturally let our spirit cry out to god so the interpretation of tongues um, must must just just so you know, must function when there is a, a gift of different kinds of tongues. These are the two that goes into hand. So when you have tongues in public, you must have the interpretation of tongues because otherwise you will sound like you're trying to be spiritual because if you're crying out to God, everyone else needs to hear. Just keep in mind, it's for the benefits of the church. So these three gifts, they have to help benefit the church, not to cause chaos and confusion and... Um, causing people to not knowing what's going on and people will go away confused. Uh, So the interpretations must go hand hand in hand in public. In 1 Corinthians 14 verse 27-28 it said, if anyone speaks in tongues two or at most three should speak one at a time and someone must interpret. Right? Someone must interpret. If there's no interpreter the speaker should keep quiet. Keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and to God. So sometimes if we go to church and you see people speaking in tongues and there's no interpretations, you should bring this verse up and ask him. There should only be two or three people speaking. And if no, there's no interpretation, everyone should keep quiet. So that's why we need the, 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 the gift of tongues needs to accompany the gifts of the interpretations. So interpretation, just very quickly, it's not the same thing as translation. Sometimes we're trying to think, well, how do you translate that? It's not the same thing as translation. It's almost like when the interpretations um, of tongues will come up, it's someone is trying to uh, communicate the heart of God to you. It may come across in an image, it may come across in a song of what someone's speaking in tongues. It may come across in, like, verses. So it's just someone is not interpreting verbatim, if I can use that term. So interpretation reveals what God wants us to know through different mediums. As I said, a communications of the heart of God. So whenever there is an operating in the gift of the spiritual dialect, if I can use that instead of tongues, because I know tongues does have a negative connotation to it with the shun, but when there's a spiritual dialect within the church, there must also be interpretation of the spiritual dialect. Uh, so the next, the third one on this, um, the power to say, or the fellowship gift, is to help the benefit of the church is the prophecy the ability given by the Spirit to speak word from God. Very important, it is referred to 22 times, just from 1 Corinthians 11 through 1 Corinthians chapter 14. So 11, 12, 13, 14. In four chapters, it was referred to 22 times. And, and just as importantly, in this context, when the gift of the Spirit, it is not, not foretelling the future. God specifically limit this gift to three beautiful exercises: edifications, exhortations, and comfort. That's it. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 3 said, But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. That's it. This gift is not the same as a person who holds the office of the prophet which is something completely different. Uh, it's As in Ephesians chapter 4, verse uh, 8 through 12, right? We see the five, the office of the apostle, prophet, teachers, pastor, and evangelists. That's different than this gift of the Spirit as the gift of the prophecy. The gift of prophecy in the New Testament is not the same as the Old Testament prophets who see glimpses of the future, and we'll get to this because that's the gift of wisdom. We'll get to that in a, in a few minutes. So the gift of prophecy in this particular section is not for guidance. It is not for preaching. It is not for rebuke. It is not for criticism. There's a lot of not in here. And I think people have used this prophecy gift to try to make it look like I know what's going on. You come to me. I'll tell you what to do. I'll tell you where to go. The gift of prophecy is three things, right? Hopefully we can remember that by now. Strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. That's it. That's what the gift of prophecy is for. And uh, as I said earlier, this inspiration gifts, these three gifts are meant for the benefit of the church. So if you use the gift of prophecy to rebuke someone, that's not uplifting. That's not strengthening. That's not comforting. So keep that in mind. So with the impact of COVID-19, which I'm sure we all are sick of talking about it, we must make sure the gift of prophecy, comfort, edifying and exhortation, flows abundantly within the church. This is so when the people who come to church feeling down and depressed and lost or the suffering or broken down because of loneliness, they will be lifted up through the supernatural gifting that can only come from God. It's not because we're optimistic people. It's not because we're people who are always loving life. No, it's from a supernatural gifting from God. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 5 says this. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. So that's what I mean. I would rather have you strengthening, comfort, and encourage one another within the church. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets, so that the church may be edified. So keep that in mind. The gift of prophecy from the Spirit strengthening, comforting, and encouraging. Uh, the gifts of prophecy should be evident in when we pray, in our individual prayer time, in co- corporate prayer time, in every church gathering, in, in one, when the time when we talk to one another. So the gift of prophecy was given, again, to strengthen and to build up the church. And it's available for all of us. All of us, not just a few. Right? I, I think we can always encourage someone, right? Whether it is from God or not, Practice it. Practice that's how we practice the gift of prophecy. Practice encouraging people. Practice speaking life into people. Practice like comforting people. Practice encouraging people. That's the gift of prophecy. And that's something that we all can do and should do. Because First Corinthians 14 verse 1, which I think we all know this, is "Father way of love and eagerly desires the gift of the spirit, especially prophecy. So especially strengthening, encouraging and comfort people. So let's uh, eagerly desire this gift and exercise the gift of prophecy among ourselves. All right. So let's go to the next category. I just realized that the time is running away from me. Um, the gifts of power. The next group, if I can say this, is a power to do something. That's these are the next three gifts right here: faith, healing, and miracles. So some people um, refer. To, I, I refer to this as the gift of uh, the power gift. Like, you have power, right? You have power to do something, to make something different. Not you, but God does. So, um, faith. Let's talk about faith first. The gift of faith is like a special faith. A special faith that supernaturally achieves what is impossible through human instruments. It's not the same thing as normal faith or saving faith. The gift of faith is assurance by the Holy Spirit that what we pray for will take place. Like, if you pray for healing, right? If you pray for breakthrough the gift of the Spirit in terms of faith will make it happen. So essentially, it is a function of God in us and through us, but with no human strength involved in our part. You see, we just pray or we ask and we have faith that God will make it happen. And in this gift, there are a lot of times when we pray for things and things don't happen, so I just want to say that because just because we pray for it doesn't mean it will happen. But when it comes to the gift of faith, When we pray for it, God will make it happen. In this gift, God does something supernatural on our behalf. Like an example is like in the New Testament, the faith of the centurion in Matthew chapter 8. I think we all know this, right? He had faith that Jesus will heal the soldier under his command. And he had faith that Jesus will make it happen, and it happened. That's an example. Um, an example, I think uh, I may have talked about this with someone a few days ago, is in Acts chapter 3. is Peter and John walking up to the city pa- temple, see uh, uh, the gate beautiful. And, and Peter said this to the lame man, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. So that was a gift of faith in action. Is what Peter doesn't have anything, right? He didn't have, he had no money, no strength, no medical knowledge, no educational knowledge. He was just a fisherman, but he had the gift of faith. He had faith in Jesus Christ of Nazareth, and that's why that layman was able to walk again. Uh, so the next one in, in this, uh, the power to do, is the gift of healing, is healing the sick, spiritually, physically, resurrection also, bringing back from the dead. So this gift of healing is the only gift that operates in, in plural form, if I can use that term. As, in, uh, as I said, healing spiritually, those who are demon-possessed, healing those with uh, different physical illnesses, whether it's paralyzed, seizure, blindness, um, um, sight, and even, as I said, resurrection, as in bring back the dead to life. So we won't spend much time on this gift as there have been so many examples for healing. In scriptures, we can almost find an act of healing in each chapter of Acts, in the book of Acts, and the four Gospels. I do want to stress one thing as believers of Jesus Christ. Let's not be skeptic, if I can say that. Let's not be skeptic and let us believe what is written in scriptures, which is God wants to bring healing, all types of healing to all people. And he wants to do that through us, to the people who believe in him. So even though some of the things that you read in scriptures where someone was just paralyzed and suddenly just stood up, just like we said in Acts chapter 3, pick up the mat and just walked, let's believe in that. Even though we have never seen it, let's believe in that. Because if we believe in Jesus, that means we must believe in the miracles, believe in the gift, believe that God can do the impossible. Um, so that was healing on now, now which will lead to the gift of miracles, is the meaning that the laws of nature have been altered or suspended, like things that cannot be explained or replicated. It means a, a supernatural intervention by God in the ordinary course of nature. God is a miracle. Everything he, everything he does is a miracle. Everything he does is a miracle, right? When he speaks, things exist. That's a miracle. Right? When the miracle is an act of God, an act of God is a gift of miracle. So the gift of miracle is God entrusting us with the strength or the energy we don't normally have. It is the power of the Spirit of God surging through us, like right through our hands, through our feet, through our minds, and causing us to do something that is not natural or normal to our behavior. Uh, with, with the gift of miracles, the law of, as I said, of law of nature just suddenly doesn't apply anymore. The law of physics doesn't apply anymore. Uh, what is abnormal to our natural reasoning becomes effective around us. You know, there's so many examples throughout um, the Bible. I would just pull out just a couple here for us. Like, for example, in Numbers chapter 22, a donkey spoke to Balaam. Uh, in John chapter 2, Jesus turned water into wine. I mean, that is a miracle, right? I'm sure some of us would love to see that more often, but that is a miracle that God can turn water into wine. And, and Jesus fed thousands of people, 5,000, from just two loaves and five bread. Two loaves and, and five fishes in Matthew chapter 14. That is a miracle. That is an act of miracle in itself. So that's, um, that's the next second category. And the last three gifts would fall into the category of the gifts of revelation. The power to know. That's the gift of wisdom, knowledge, and discernment. Right? So we have the power to say. That is to benefit, to uplift the church, to encourage the church, to strengthen the church. And then we have the power to do which is see miracles and healings and breakthrough, now we get the gifts of revelations, the power to know, power to know. Let's go through them quickly. Um, the gift of wisdom. Wisdom, as I said earlier, is like a glimpse of a future, the ability to know the mind of God, the thing, some, to know something that can't be known or can't be researched or looked up. For in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 12, it said, For now I we see only a reflection as in the mirror, then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, and I should know fully, even as I am fully known. So it gives us a glimpse of something that potentially could happen. That's a w- gift of wisdom. Folks, there so many examples in the Bible. Noah, right? He kind of had an idea of what's going to happen, but he was obedient to God. Daniel, he, right, he interpreted dreams. He was able to see into the future. We got David, Isaiah, we got Joel. He's talking about in chapter 2, God pouring out his spirit in all flesh. So he got a glimpse of the future. Uh, also, Paul, in um, Acts chapter 23, verse 13, he just knew that he had to go to Rome. Uh, the, the manifestation of this gift uh, through uh, many different forms, like through dreams, through night v- dreams, through Joseph. Night vision by Daniel. You know, caught up in the spirit, as John was explaining in the book of Revelations. Like uh, Paul was like in the third heaven, as in 2 Corinthians 12, Or our own quiet time with God. In our own quiet time with God. Sometimes God will give us a glimpse of the things to do. God will give us a glimpse of who we are called to be. God will give us a glimpse of the things. Hey, tomorrow, go do this. Call someone. Reach out to someone. Pray for someone. Uh, so then the, the next Revelation gift is the word of knowledge, the gift of knowledge. It should be more accurately be said as the word of God's knowledge, not man's knowledge, God's knowledge. So the, the, the gift of knowledge is a specific word of knowledge that can't be known in the natural, like a glimpse of the present. So the wisdom is a glimpse of the future. The word of knowledge is a glimpse of the present. No, um, not man's knowledge or something that we cannot know or naturally see or can be seen or heard. An example is um, in First in Kings uh, chapter 19, right? Elijah, just know that there's 7,000 faithful have been remained that God has assigned for us. Like in Samuel, uh, in, um, uh, in, in 1 Samuel chapter 10, right? Saul's hiding place. And then also in John chapter four, when Jesus spoke to the woman at the well, right? Jesus knew, yes, you are not married because you've been married many, many times. And, and Peter and Cornelius, in, in Acts chapter 10. So they knew facts about each other that is not humanly possible, that no one told them except from, by, from God or by God. So that's, that's a word of knowledge. And then, an example sometimes, and I will love, we love to see that operate more in, in a church setting, is, is sometimes, for example, if, if um, using Liam as an example, right? This healthy young man, he shows up, and suddenly during the worship time, he was had this like pain in his back. It's not because there's something wrong with him. It's just there's a word of knowledge But someone here has the pain in the back or the sh- whatever, if he has pain in his shoulder, shoulder. And what we should do is we should bring that force and say, hey, is there someone in this room that has pain in your back? That's a word of knowledge. And then we can pray for that and trusting that will that person will be healed. So that's a very brief example of what it means to have a word of knowledge is suddenly you sense something, right? Sometimes some of us maybe. Uh, we're just sitting at home, watching TV, or we're reading, or we're going for a walk, and suddenly you have this sense in your heart, or you feel something. That's what it means to have a little word of knowledge. Act on it. Obey God. Act on it. If you have a sense about someone, say, so, oh, man, I need to pray for someone, let's pray for someone. Or someone's in trouble, let's call them, reach out to them. Or if someone needs something, let's call them out, and what can we do to provide for them? So that's what it means to act out this gift of knowledge. Alright, so let's move on to the last one I think on this list is the gift of discernment. So discernment as not as in um, just kind of like know the difference between the table and a chair. The gift of discernment is a discernment of spirit. Discernment of a spirit that we're surrounded with, the ability to recognize the operations of of evil spirits or godly spirit in people or the situation that we're in. For example, We talk about glimpse of the future right a glimpse of the present now this is a glimpse of the spirit or the motive behind a person Uh, a glimpse of um of someone is doing something well or someone is struggling a glimpse of what is going on in the spirit of the person that we're with or surrounded the revelation comes uh to the church through the functioning of the holy spirit and it's not something that that we have our physical sense. It's not something that we can see. You know, when sometimes people tell you it's like there's a sixth sense, in a way similar, that's what it is. It's a gift of discernment to have a sixth sense to recognize. You know, someone is laughing and joking around, but you get a sense that there's something more going on. Maybe there's something wrong there. Or, or someone seems like they're not really that happy or singing, but you get a sense that oh man, that person is really, there's a lot of joy in that person. So that's what it means, like a sixth sense, a discernment of the spirit. Uh, it can, it will help us to produce security against uh, false doctrine, uh, against lies, or against recognizing things that are not real, things that are not what they appear to be, and we see what is behind the scene. So that's what the discernment is. An example would be in uh, Acts chapter 8, right? Um, I know we read this. Because we can see this and we we see what we're reading in Acts chapter 8. But Acts chapter 8, Simon the sorcerer wanted the ability to lay hands on people to receive the Holy Spirit. He wanted that just for money because he was willing to pay money for that. If you read in Acts chapter 8, but Peter discerned, he discerned that Simon just wanted this for his selfish gain, right? That's an evil not good act behind it because he just wanted monetary gain from it. So Peter was able to rebuke him. So that's what a discernment of the spirit is like. You you know what's behind. You know the intention behind someone. So these, um, this, this, uh, one last thing about the acts of the uh, discernment is to allow us to confront or to take care of things that are not right. If you see something that's happening... Speak into it, speak against it, or speak for it when someone's being dishonest or someone is trying to do something that's not true. uh, We we talked a little bit about this um, at our Connect group. When we exercise the gift of discernment, we can apply that into our workplace, right? We can apply that in terms of whether we talk with our colleagues or our bosses or our clients or the people that we talk to because we can see, oh, this person is being true what they're saying is true, or this person is really trying to lead us down the wrong path or trying to lie to us to get us to do something that's not right. So this gift of discernment, we can all exercise on that, and we should always try to look into that and apply that in our everyday lives, whether it's communic- when we're communicating with our neighbors, our coworkers, our friends, or our families, or even you know, sometimes we talk with our kids' friends and our teachers. We, sometimes, for me um, maybe I'm sharing a little bit too much sometimes I can discern what the teachers are trying to teach our kids, and that give me the ability to speak into or against the things that they're trying to speak to. Our kids. So that's, the, the gift of discernment is extremely important nowadays for all of us, because of the environment that we live in. And, and, and the well, anyway, I'm getting off track. but they, so that's the gift of discernment. It allow us to take care of or, or do the things that's right, recognize whether it's honest or, in, or not honest, things that are true or not true. Um, it gives, as I said, the power to see, to see what others do not see. Right? So, so those are the nine gifts from the Holy Spirit. I feel like I just ran right through that at 200 miles per hour. But I just want us to recognize what those gifts are, I don't want us to not be uninformed, right? We are to be informed of the gifts of the Spirit. So we can desire for it, pray for it, exercise it, and recognize it when the Holy Spirit is, is revealing those things to us or the gift of the Spirit is happening to us, and we can be aware, tap into that, and follow the Holy Spirit and obey the Holy Spirit and look for them and activate these gifts, that is our heart and our desire. And, and um, last week we talked about Jesus giving us the Holy Spirit so we can be the most excellent form of ourselves, right? Because we can either be average, just like everyone else, or we can be excellent. And the only way they can be excellent is because of the Holy Spirit. So we know the Holy Spirit, recognize the Holy Spirit, recognize our need for the Holy Spirit. The most important thing is obey the Holy Spirit. It's not easy if we're really being honest with ourselves. To obey the Holy Spirit is not easy, but recognize that these are the gifts that we have. These are the gifts that God has given to us through the Holy Spirit, so let's use them. We need these gifts. If I can end with uh, the two reasons why we need this gift is, number one, this verse always stick with me, and I want to know, and I would love to see this. It's from John 14, verse 12, when Jesus said, you will do greater things, We need the Holy Spirit in order to do greater things than what Jesus did. And Jesus did some pretty amazing things if you read through the four Gospels in the book of Acts. Jesus did some amazing things, but with the Holy Spirit, the advocate, we will do greater things. So that's why we must, must need the Holy Spirit because on our own, we will never be able to do, well, maybe for me, I will never be able to do average things, let alone greater, but with the Holy Spirit, we trust that Jesus said we will be, be able to do greater things because he would never lie to you or to me. So trust in that, and that's why we need the Holy Spirit. And number two, the second thing is we need the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We need to know the Holy Spirit. We need to obey and follow the Holy Spirit. Number two is I want to take us back to the statement that I shared with us earlier this morning. is to live a lifestyle that will bring glory to Jesus, and what Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, your life as a Christian should make non-believers question their disbelief in God. And the only way, the absolute only way that we can do that is we must let the Holy Spirit transform us, change us, lead us, and work through us and exercise the gift of the Spirit that was been given to us. Otherwise, we'll just be like, we will be just like everyone else. Keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. And let this statement right here from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. I actually, to be honest with you guys, I didn't really know much about him until just about a year ago. And the more I study about this guy, the more amazing I am. Um, But I I won't share too much. I want to encourage you guys to look him up and, and study him and let him be an example of someone as a witness to Jesus in the day and and the age that we live in today also. All right, so with that, that's all I have for us for the gifts of the Holy Spirit for today. Uh, We will end the series, and next week, we will, our next series will be on the, um, it will be seven weeks, and we'll be on the heroes of the faith from Hebrews chapter 11. So I want us to keep that in mind in order to move into the heroes of the faith. Think about all the series that we went through. We went through a series on Jesus, and we went through the series on the Holy Spirit. We need Jesus, and we need the Holy Spirit in order to exercise and live out the faithful life like these heroes of the faith in Hebrews 11. So uh, Vanessa will take us, we will we'll kick off that series next week, next Sunday for us. So um, with that, why don't we stand? We don't you guys stand up? I'm sure you are probably uh, tired trying to catch up and stay with uh, this this uh, fast-speed gift of the Holy Spirit that I just ran through with you guys. But um, why don't we um, just use this time and pray? Let's pray that the Holy Spirit will come and speak and lead us and guide us and allow us to exercise the gifts that, that we have been given by Jesus. Father, we just want to thank you for you, God. We just want to thank you for who you are, Jesus. We want to honor you, we want to praise you, and we want to lift you up, God. We want our lives, whether it is today, this week, this month, this year, over the rest of the years, we want our lives to be about you, God. We want our lives to reflect you. We want our lives to bring honor to you, to bring glory to you. And I pray that we will be the people who not only have been transformed by you, God, through the Holy Spirit, but also to be used by the amazing gift that you have given us through the Holy Spirit. I just pray right now, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that these giftings, these gifts that have been given to us through the Holy Spirit will will flow through each and every one here, that we will be able to utilize And exercise these gifts so then together as your church, as your body, as your bride, that we will allow your goodness and your faithfulness and your amazing power and your amazing love to flow into this body, restoration, and through all those people around us. So then people will know that Jesus, you are our God, you are our King, you are our Lord, and you are our Savior. We love you, Jesus. We love you, and we honor you, and we praise you. And let all that we do and all that we say and all that we see and all that we are enjoying to be about you, Jesus. And let you reflect what we believe in. You reflect the person that we're following. You reflect the lives that we want to live. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And we pray to all these things in your mighty name, God. Amen. Amen. Thanks again for listening. We hope you were encouraged. Don't forget to connect with us through our website, restoration.life, as well as on Facebook and Instagram.